0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Doom to Bloom podcast. Today we have a special guest, Celeste, who's going to dive deep into her struggles with an eating disorder that occurred for over two decades. And she's also going to speak to us about how a addiction for caffeine and a dependency on medical marijuana occurred within her life as well through the struggles. Hi, Celeste.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you. Good.
0: And thank you for being a guest. Oh my
1: goodness. I, thank you so much for having me.
0: I was actually looking in my queue and you were like top 50 of the first ones to guess. So I really appreciate you. you are It's almost like you're an OG. Oh, thank <laughs> you. And just before we get into your reality, Celeste, I always like to ask where my guest is joining from
1: yes so i am calling from the sunny state of florida
0: oh cool cool is it really hot there right now
1: oh my goodness it's in the it's it says it's in the mid 90s but it feels like it's in the hundreds
0: gross (laughs) (laughs) i so i'm in ontario canada Um, And we are actually, I don't know if this is day four or day five, but we are in a very big multi-day streak of thunderstorms and rain. (laughs) So, interesting the difference, but (laughs) we are ready to hear your story, Celeste, whenever you're ready to tell us.
1: Yes, yes, thank you. Uh, You know, it's it's really interesting where where my story does start. You know, I I come from a background of of having um, a second um, mom in my life. And um, the standards ever since I was very, very, very young uh, that were put on me were very, very high. So even when I was about three or four years old, um, I was set at the standard of perfection. And so from a very young age, I felt like if I wasn't doing something correctly, if I wasn't doing something that was um, at the highest uh, standard, then everything would fall apart. And so I started living my life from such a young age with that mentality that finally when I had some consciousness about uh, what I could control in my life, Um, I started controlling uh, how often I would eat. And so I think it was about maybe 11 or 12 years old when I started realizing, oh wait, I can probably control when I eat. And so that in turn made made me start developing this habit of only eating when I was hungry. And I would only be hungry if I in my perspective, if I had accomplished something or I had reached a goal. And so that made me develop this habit of eating only once every three to five days, as opposed to two to three times a day. And that habit just stayed with me for years and years until finally I started talking to my very first therapist. I think I was um, 14 or 15 years old. And they said to me, uh, you know, what you're doing is not healthy. And so I told my, I told my dad, um, you know, I don't think I really like this therapist. It's not working for me. So I stopped, uh, I stopped going to the therapist because I just refused to get out of the vehicle. And if I did get out of the vehicle, I would not go into her office. I would just stay in the hallway until my, my time was up, and then go back downstairs and get back in the car to go home. And um, it wasn't until three therapists <laughs> in my life and a few coaches and counselors that they finally said, you know, um, you are severely underweight. You are in your um, in your twenties. You're barely reaching ninety eight pounds, and uh, you have to do something. Um, and so. For me, I said, "Okay, well, I'm not hungry. Like, give me something that will make me hungry." So I was prescribed medical marijuana. So I was, so I would start taking um, marijuana in order to eat, and I would gorge myself, and I felt terrible after all of those times um, that I was I was forcing myself to eat. So I would I would either smoke or take. Um, so my prescription, I would eat, then I would stay off of the, me- the medication for a few days and just completely not eat, which was, of course, was still very, very terrible. Um, and then at the same time, I realized that my energy was fluctuating, so I decided to start, um, to start drinking coffee. And, of course, everyone drinks coffee. It's not anything abnormal, but... When you're someone like me who refuses to eat, who um, who just wants the energy to keep going, and is very um, career focused, um, I developed a habit of drinking
0: four shots of
1: espresso at 4 a.m. in the morning, getting to work at probably eight, a.m., drinking another four shots of espresso, um, hitting lunchtime, and getting. Um, probably a can of Monster or another energy drink, hitting 2 p.m. and getting a bottle of coffee, hitting 4 p.m. getting another bottle of coffee or another can of energy drink, and then ending my day probably 7 p.m. to go home with another can of energy drink, and then doing whatever I needed to do at night um, and go to bed. And that was my entire day of, of intake no food, no water, just caffeine. And I lived my life like that for quite a few years until finally um, my heart almost stopped in the middle of of work. And uh, it was really hard. It was really hard because I was brought to the hospital. I had developed an ulcer. Um, They had to Completely detoxed me from all the drugs that I had in my body and we might say that it's just caffeine But caffeine really is a drug and it is addicting and when you have that intake every single day Monday to Sunday, I wasn't taking any breaks. It was Monday to Sunday um, Yeah, my body was just collapsing in on itself Um, It wasn't until probably these past two years that I finally got over um, my my eating disorder and my my addictions
0: so are you ready for questions oh yes I'm definitely (laughs)
1: ready for questions
0: so did anybody ever mention to you or bring about concerns of kind of the lifestyle or the choices
1: that's a great question um I had a few friends who would ask me why I was just you know drinking coffee when we would go out and eat or why I was just you know just sitting there and probably just picking at the french fries that were in the middle of the table i would never really order food for myself and if I did order food for myself I would barely eat um, a quarter of what was on my plate and um, and so my friends would always say, "Well, you should at least take home your leftovers." So I would take it. I would take it to go, my my food to go. But I would always end up giving it away anyway. So I wouldn't even eat the leftovers. Um, and then finally, there were some friends who said, "You know, you look like you look like you've lost weight, and you shouldn't be losing weight." And um, it wasn't until my partner, my current partner, said to me, "You know." Celeste you have to do something because you're you're extremely (laughs) underweight you look like you look like you might be really sick Um, you need to see a doctor we need to I don't know anything just just get healthy Um, and it wasn't until until a few friends of mine really took me aside and and started crying and said that they were afraid um, of all these times I had to go to the hospital because I had something wrong with my health um, that I finally listened.
0: And you say that you are in recovery now these last few years?
1: Yes, I am. Thank
0: goodness. (laughs) I mean, I, I, before I ask more questions, I want to give you a huge kudos for that. Um, I can also share that I struggled with anorexia as well for, Several years, and I I know the demons and the, the thoughts and the constant need for perfection and all of that, so I totally understand, and kudos to you because it's not something that's easy to overcome at all.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you.
0: <laughs> and so in talking about, you know, your partner mentioned they were concerned, and your friends mentioned they were concerned, how did... How did the steps to healing and recovery start for you?
1: Um, you know, when I finally accepted it, I was uh, I was still in this procrastination phase. I was doing a lot of research, trying to see, trying to find out who to go to, where I felt like I would feel comfortable enough to open up um, to whoever I was talking to or whoever I was getting help from. Um, I did go to a few therapists and it felt like you know the relationship with them just weren't working for me and it wasn't until I went I went to a place called the grief recovery uh, the grief recovery Institute Um, and it was there that they said you know we can't help you if you're ready so unless you're ready to to accept that you know there are things in your past that you have to address then come back and talk to us and it was after that conversation that i kind of that i kind of reflected on all my previous conversations with everyone else and i finally realized that you know it it was because they showed a bit of indifference and made me truly decide for myself um, that that this is within my control too.
0: It wasn't just any other
1: doctor or counselor or therapist or whatever who were saying, no you need to come and talk to me. Um, they were basically they were telling me, you know this is this is what you need to do. And I didn't like that I didn't like that message. So I love the message that the Grief Recovery Institute gave, which was, this is your choice and we can't make it for you. It's, it's up to you. And that made the huge difference and I went, through, I went through that method. Um, it usually takes about seven to eight weeks. I did it in a span of four days. And I didn't realize that my grief, I had so much grief um, that, was, that was contributing to my eating disorder, contributing to my addictions. Um, and it turns out that, you know, my eating disorder had stemmed from something even further back uh, earlier, um, before I was 13, 14 years old, it was just then that I decided to control things. Um, yeah, those four days were, were really rough, but it was also really, really, really uh, uplifting.
0: And, and when you say it takes seven to eight weeks, but you did it in four days, what specifically... Are you referring to
1: oh the uh so the grief recovery method with the um there's a specific method that they do where you are uh, i did the group the, the group method instead of doing it individually because i, I realized i do not want to do this on my own um so in front of a, a few strangers i opened my heart out um i exposed everything that I had kept hidden away from the entire world and uh, <clears throat> excuse me. and um, yeah, I, I talked about you know things that happened in my past, things that have continued to affect me. Um, I talked about the situations where I wish I could ask for forgiveness and, and the situations where I wish I, you know I, I could forgive someone. And then I eventually found completeness within those four days.
0: Wow. And where, where is the grief recovery Institute? I've never heard of it before.
1: Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because you can actually do this online. I think they're, they're based out of Ohio. I, I might have it completely wrong, but. Like, um, there are quite a few specialists around the world who are certified through through the institute who can go through the method with you all virtually. But if you do prefer to do it in person, um, you can find a you can find a certified specialist in your area who can do it with you either uh, one on-one or in a group setting.
0: And so after you completed these four days of the group method, what came next for you
1: after the healing process it was more okay (laughs) um i didn't realize how hungry i could be i've never i never realized what that feeling was until after the four days and it was it's just really weird to say that now that i'm saying it out loud but yeah and i didn't realize what hunger Felt like. I, did you know that it, you could feel it in your stomach? Because I didn't know that. <laughs> um,
0: I I can I can relate to that.
1: <laughs> it's it's such a crazy feeling.
0: It it really is, and it, it I I truly don't think that people mm-hmm. will understand that until. And I pray that they never do, but I don't think people would understand that unless they've experienced it.
1: Yes. Um, to anyone listening, I really hope you don't you don't have this experience. But it's like, it's that feeling of finally being able to, you know, wake up in the morning and actually feel rested, never knowing mm-hmm. what, what rest truly meant. For your entire life. That's what it feels like.
0: But even that, I feel like, I, th- I feel like that description doesn't necessarily do it justice for the, a- for the actual, like internal feelings. You know what I mean?
1: Oh gosh. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so after those four days, how did you continue kind of your recovery healing journey?
1: Oh, it was, um, It was a process for me you know after the healing it's it's a process of okay now now what um I actually started taking up cooking because I don't cook or I never used to cook um and I realized wow um I can actually start eating now so I can I can instead of controlling how often I eat I can control what I put into my body and so I love that Yeah, it was a, it was a a truly mind, like, it was a true mind shift for me from going from, you know, if I do have to eat, I can probably spend uh, a few minutes going, going to McDonald's or something, um, to, okay, if, if I'm going to eat, I'm going to make sure it's sustainable for my health, for my body, and for my partner and his lifestyle, too. So, you know, I I would actually spend time and go to the grocery store and actually choose good ingredients. I would spend time on, you know, really prepping the food and making sure, you know, even a refrigerator looked a lot better after those four days. It, It was just, it was just crazy. And after, after I started making those small adjustments in the kitchen, I started realizing, well. If I can make those adjustments in the kitchen what other adjustments can I make in the rest of my life? I don't have to drink caffeine anymore. I don't have to to depend on my prescription anymore. So, you know, I I haven't touched coffee in in it's been five years. I haven't touched coffee in five years. Um, I haven't had my prescription in almost a year and a half. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just been amazing. My, I feel like I can actually feel the sunshine and it hit my skin when I go out now.
0: What What did the process look like, or what did you kind of substitute the caffeine and prescription for, or did you substitute it with anything?
1: Honestly, I realized I could get everything I needed from water. <laughs> as um, as as boring as that might sound. All you really need is um, maybe five, like 500 ml of, of water in the morning right when you wake up in that first hour and you're pretty much energized for your morning. You don't really need coffee or caffeine. Um, <clears throat> and then if you're hungry or I realized like if you know if I'm hungry, I can just eat something as small as maybe a handful of, of blueberries or a handful of nuts or I, I started buying dates. And I would eat dates with um, some prosciutto or prosola uh, prosola at home um, and share that with my partner. Um, And then, you know, I started, I no longer felt the anxiety that I used to get from caffeine. So, you know, I, I think that in itself was already a big plus for me. Um, and then walking out in the mornings. Um, I'm not a huge morning person, but I do love nature. And, and we have this huge park um, right in front of our building. So I'll go and take a walk, maybe a 20 minute walk around the park, see the, see the marina that's right next to the park. Um, and, then, and then that really wakes me up too
0: how did your partner kind of respond to your new your new journey
1: oh my gosh he's been (laughs) he is he is the loveliest person in the whole world he has been so supportive he honestly I don't think I've seen him any happier since after my healing journey um he's been a lot more playful he's been He's been a lot more, um, a lot more positive. I think it, I I didn't realize how much um, my negative energy was rubbing off on him and how much I was putting him through and bless his heart, he stayed with me through all that thickness. But after my healing journey, he's just been so much happier. He's just been so much more positive Um, he's been wanting to take a lot more trips lately (laughs) yeah he's just he's just been a lot better better. and
0: how has your relationships with the friends that were concerned about you have those improved have you have you been able to open the dialogue about eating disorders and the struggles with that
1: yes um you know that's that's a great question too because my friends they um they didn't want, they didn't want me to continue down the road I was on. And when I finally told them, like, you know, I was, I I actually had an eating disorder and they said, we know, and you just, you just didn't want to tell us, or you just didn't want to be open about it. And we could have supported you if you had just, you know, been more open about it, but you were so, they they would tell me, you were so uh, defensive every time we would bring it up. And so, you know, our relationship has gotten better. I could actually eat and enjoy the food whenever we're, we're out. Um, I can actually, you know, things and, and have energy to do things when I'm out with my friends instead of just saying, you know, I, I need another cup of coffee or can we just sit down here in the cafe? Or, you know, I can, I'm, I feel like I became more of the person I really am instead of the person I was suppressing
0: and how i guess just like overall you've kind of alluded to it already but how overall has kind of recovery and the healing changed your surroundings
1: um you know it's i'm not going to say it's all sunshine and rainbows but it does feel like it <laughs> um i do feel like i like i said it i do feel sun on my skin a lot more as opposed to you know just just the burn of heat you know there's a huge difference between those two um I do I do see the world a lot better I do see a lot more positivity and uh it's man I'm trying not to make it sound like it's all it's all I, I started discovering unicorns and <laughs> and it goes everywhere after this. but um, you know things have just gotten so much more positive. things have gotten so much better. I didn't realize how much I I was so I was so reliant on the things that were weighing me down that I didn't realize how much I was missing out of life. Um, I realized I had fallen in love with my addiction when in reality we shouldn't be falling in love with anything we should be rising in love, right? We should rise and grow. And when I realized that these, that my eating disorder and my addictions were holding me down, I decided to let it go and decided to really grow, um, grow my perspective, grow my my relationships, grow who I was. Um, I started to self reflect more. I started to, to meet new people and, and explore the world around me. And I realized I was missing out on a lot of things because I had chosen to chain myself to, to these things that were holding me back. And when I made the decision to no longer allow that to happen, um, you know, there's, there's a new spot on, the, on my life's journey. There's a new spot on that map. Of my life's journey that i can visit and it's just waiting for me to visit it
0: and when you say that it's not all rainbows and sunshines and that you saw unicorns what does the not so rainbows and sunshine side look like
1: um so you know people talk about good days and bad days um i think my perspective really changed into it's not it's not that there are bad days, it's more that there are days of feedback, right? Um, that's where my, my perspective has shifted. Um, so it's, it's, more, it's more, you know, those days that you might feel like it's cloudy, what feedback would you get from that? It would be, you know, bring an umbrella. So on those days where it feels like, it's, it feels like, you know, it's not really going your way, it's more an opportunity for, for me, at least, to, to look at it and say, okay, well, that didn't go the way I planned, but at least this, this thing happened today, you know, this positive thing happened today. And if a day like this happens again, then I'll be ready for it because I know what happened and I know what to prepare for. And, um, you know, I, <laughs> I, know how to, I know how to gain something from it.
0: Do you ever struggle with some of the mindset struggles that were associated with the eating disorder? Or do you ever have some of the tendencies come back?
1: Um, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting question. When, when I think about it, <laughs> the, the tendency to stop eating, um, Honestly, sometimes I, I might forget to eat. Um, I have to be honest; I do forget to eat sometimes. But then my my body stops me and actually gives me that hunger again. And I, I think I mentioned this earlier. You know, I never really felt what hunger was um, until my healing process. And so when my body makes makes me feel that hunger, it that hunger, it'll you know, usually be at around two or two thirty in the afternoon. And I'll have to remind myself, oh you forgot lunch you gotta go eat something um, So yes there are times where I might forget but once I remember or once my body reminds me, I'll go ahead and, and grab
0: something to eat and sustain my body And what what is your relationship now like with body image? I know when I struggled with the eating disorder that was I mean alongside you with the perspective the perfection ideals, but I also just really struggled with my body image and never felt like I was thin enough or pretty enough or smart enough, or so I thought I could control the eating and that would in turn change all the things that I thought I wasn't enough. But what was your your perspective on that?
1: Um, so for me, it was a matter of, okay, um, I am now... In this healing process now it's a matter of what body type do i have if i can't be like everyone else what body type do i have so i started doing more research um into body types i found out that i am a petite pear shape and so the reasoning behind why i felt like i wasn't pretty enough or i wasn't perfect was because I wasn't dressing according to my body type. And so once I shifted um, my mindset into that, like the science of it instead, um, and change, and I completely changed my wardrobe, um, I started feeling better about, about how I presented myself, about how I looked, because I was kind of dressing according to what matched my body type and what made me look uh you know more aesthetically pleasing to other people
0: (laughs) and i find that so fascinating but so interesting how did you kind of get on the topic of searching for the body type like where did that idea come to search that
1: um so i'm sure like a lot of (laughs) like a lot of women we we might have you know had this this time in our life where we have at least looked once at different wedding dresses and um, there was one day I was looking at wedding dresses and and there was this chart that had popped up on Pinterest where they said if you have this body type this is the perfect dress for you Uh, I think it was like a figure eight Um, and then if you have an apple an apple shape body type this is the dress for you and so on and so on And so I started looking up what body types were and what that that meant. And then I realized, oh, that makes sense. Why there are outfits or, you know, like tops out there or dresses out there that don't look good on me, but look great on these, on these other people, on these other women. So I started looking into uh, women who had similar body types as I did um, and started imitating um I looked up women who were petite and I started imitating what uh what cut of pants I could wear what cut of skirts I could wear um and because I was I was again petite you know what what high-waisted pants I could wear and if I could wear um what low risers apparently I can't because I have I have a pear shape. Uh, body. I can't wear low risers. or also make me look even heavier on the bottom half of my body. Um, but once I start realizing, okay, it's all about it's all about um, lines and angles. When you when you start looking at the lines and angles of things, it's about um, evening things out. So for me, I know I can't wear I, I can't wear clothing that are that is um, loose. Uh, I can't wear a loose top and a loose bottom. I can wear um, one one tight piece of clothing and then the other piece of clothing has to be loose um, in order to look proportionately uh, equal or aesthetic.
0: Interesting. And so I'm super curious now about this. (laughs) (laughs) Is it just as simple as a Google search or is there like a better... A better way to go about that instead of just like a random Google search.
1: Um, yeah. So, um, I think, I think one, Google searches are great because you want to know what your body type is. Um, and then on, I think on Instagram and on YouTube, there are people, there are, um, stylists who are actually very, very good when it comes to, um, looking for pieces of clothing that match your body type not just you know because there are stylists who will talk about who will talk about you know this is a great piece of clothing but a great stylist will take a look at your body type they'll talk about it and what what pieces of clothing are that would match you then at the same time you also want to look at your skin tone if you have a warm or cool or neutral skin tone so you can also look at what colors would look good on you, and then, um, excuse me. You also want to look at um, your your face, your face type. I guess that's what it's called, or your face shape, so that you can get um, whatever haircut uh, or hairstyle would match your hair, your your face, your face shape, so that no matter what you do, um, you'll look you'll look ageless. No matter how you dress, no matter what year it is, you look ageless.
0: I didn't realize there was so much like scientific <laughs> stuff that goes into this.
1: <laughs> oh yes, I did a lot of research. Um, yeah, but it was just Google searching. It was um, it was a lot of YouTubing and Instagram searches for for stylists, um, as well as you know. Um, what's it, I think it's called color shading or color coordinating. And um, that's why there's a, there's, a, there's a reason why there are some glasses that fit for some people and, and it won't fit for others because of that face shape as well. So that's another way um, to make sure you look, you look great no matter what you're wearing. because <laughs> you're just wearing, you know, whatever your, your shape uh, is, is proportionate to.
0: Interesting. Well, I'm going to have to check that out now. <laughs> do you do you have any other, I guess, kind of words of wisdom or words of, I don't, I kind of hesitate to say advice, but words of wisdom or words of encouragement or support for, for anybody that may kind of still be in their addiction, whatever that may look like, or in an eating disorder, uh, struggle, or just kind of in recovery from their eating disorder?
1: Yes. Yes. Oh, thank you. Um, Yes. First, you are not alone. Um, You know, when you're, when you're going through whatever you're going through, it's very, very important to know that you're not doing this on your own. There are people who love you. There are people who want to help you. It's, it's just a matter of them waiting for you to ask for that help or to ask for that support. Um, And then second is the truth does not set you free. You might know that you are struggling, you might know that you're going through something, but unless you act on it, nothing is going to change. So when you know the truth, when you have that information, make sure that, you know, you have the energy and you have the energy within yourself and you have the will um, to continue to love yourself and put the action behind it so that something positive comes from it. And that's all I really have to share.
0: That's amazing. And do you, do you have a platform or an audience user-friendly kind of section on social medias where the audience can find you
1: yes um so anyone listening could connect with me on instagram Uh, my profile is mindful presence m-i-n-d-f-u-l-l that's two l's p-r-e-s-e-n-c-e and you can also find me on my website mindfulpresence.com or on linkedin mindful presence same spelling two l's or on facebook Mindful
0: presence. So you're everywhere. I try to be. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And what specifically, what specifically is mindful presence? Is that coach work? Is that just kind of raising awareness? What specifically do you tend to share?
1: Oh yes. Yeah. So what I do with mindful presence is it's that's exactly right. I am a high impact transformational coach. Um, I do specialize in grief. Um, That's aside from death and bereavement. I specialize in discomfort, basically. Um, I help my clients uh, find clarity and find the meaning of their life. Um, I help them heal from the discomfort of those changes. And then I help them uh, chase after their dreams with courage and confidence after the healing process.
0: And how do you do all those things? I'm, I'm guessing... It's probably, you know, case by case and individualized. But overall, how do you do those things?
1: Yes, um, yes, you're exactly right. It is on a case to case basis. But we do have, or I do offer um, a coaching a coaching program with it. Um, there are a lot of action work that comes with it, as well as a lot of um, <clears throat> a lot of one on one and group work that come along with it. If that's something. Um, that my clients are are interested in.
0: Are you certified under the the Grief Recovery Institute?
1: I am, yes. So I am a specialized, um, I am a certified grief recovery method specialist. um, And I'm also actually getting my advanced education in in a few months Um, and I also do a few speaking events uh, for anything related to the grief work or any um, any changes such as marriage or divorce or pregnancy or moving, um, career changes, anything of that sort.
0: Wow, that sounds incredible. Thank you. <laughs> See, you're just making waves after the struggles.
1: I really hope so um you know it it really does it it really does um make a difference when when there are people like you Jacqueline who you know provide the whole ocean for people like us to just like make a small drop in your in your bed of water
0: well I I very strongly feel like you did not just make a drop you made a very big wave (laughs) <laughs> in the best way. In the best way.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I wanted to thank you, Celeste, for being a guest. Um I know you said this kind of throughout directly and indirectly, how how real and raw the struggle is and kind of how you're how when you're in it, you're definitely in it. But the The difference it makes in life when you can get to the other side is incredible, as you've shown us. And so I wanted to thank you for just being open and real and raw, sharing your story and kind of giving, I would consider them to be tips on how to navigate body image and kind of your self-esteem on working with the body that you have. And so I just wanted to thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for, you know, just for giving me a platform and listening to me and just giving me the space to, to share my story.
0: Amazing. And for the listeners, go follow Celeste. I already do, but everybody else go follow. And Celeste and to my listeners, I want to let you know that I'm sending you lots of love and lots of light.